It's not a printing mistake, it is absolutely deliberate, uh, and I'm going to tell you why. And I need three volunteers. Now, normally, at this stage, we would get some kids up and embarrass them, but I think it's time to embarrass some adults, don't you? Right, so we need three adult volunteers, and I'm going to let you guys choose them. Okay, off you go. Three <laughs> adult volunteers, all pointing to their parents. Come on, it's not that bad. <laughs> Brilliant, that's two. Need one more. Oh, okay, there we go. We've got our three. Brilliant. The reason that we've started our Nehemiah Sermon Series in the book of Ezra is because actually what most people now come to recognise is that the book and Ezra and Nehemiah were never originally written as separate books. It was one book written together. Ezra, Nehemiah. It would have been one piece of writing uh, that later got split and divided into two. And the reason we know that is because it tells uh, three parallels of the same story, the same part of a bit of Israel's history. Now, it's set about 50 years after the Babylonians had destroyed the city of Jerusalem and scattered its people. And when I say destroyed, you kind of think about some of the images you see in the news today about Syria. About Syria looks nothing like it did a number of years ago. It's completely unrecognizable. Everything's been brought to the ground. All the people have run away throughout the world and been scattered across the world as we're seeing regularly on our news. That's what it was like for the people of Jerusalem. The whole city completely destroyed. Destroyed. And there were three leaders that we read about in the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah who were part of bringing back God's people to Jerusalem. Now the first one I think we'll, we'll give to you because it's just the best name ever. Okay? The first one was a guy called Zerubbabel. Okay? So I want you to say, hi, I'm Zerubbabel, nice and boldly. Hi, I'm Zerubbabel. Good, that's good. That's convincing. It's good. We like it. Zerubbabel was appointed by the King Cyrus uh, to go back to Jerusalem and gather some people of some Jewish people back with him. So can you go and get a few people to come and get? We're going to end up with everyone at the front, I think, by the end. But just get some people to come with you to Jerusalem. So Zerubbabel set out to get some people back to Jerusalem. He gathered the Jewish people who had been scattered from all ki- over all kinds of places. Just three or four will be fine. Uh, and he took them back to Jerusalem. And he began to not only rebuild the community and to, to reteach the things of God, but they also began to rebuild the temple. So you guys can start to build a bit of a temple in however. You've got a carpenter there, that's perfect. So uh, the carpenter begins to build the temple and everybody gets involved. And, and at the same time, you've got this amazing thing where these people are coming back to gather in worship. But then this really, really bizarre thing happens. There's a lot of opposition to this building going on because the grandchildren of the people who who were worshippers in the original temple, didn't particularly like this new design. And so, uh, it's change, no one likes change. Uh, and so they, they complained about it, they moaned about it, they attacked the people doing it, and then and Zerubbabel just said, look, you guys have no part in this, and he sent them away. So you have this weird anticlimax where Zerubbabel sends away some of these Jewish people, not the builders, but just send them away, it's fine, uh, and, and they're scattered again. And then, you get in the second half of the book of Ezra, the story of Ezra himself. So you're Ezra. Hi, I'm Ezra. Nice and bold. Good, there's Ezra for us. Now Ezra gets led by the next king, so this is a a number of years later, the next king asks him to send another wave of people back to Jerusalem. So go and gather some fellow fellow Jews uh, and take them back to Jerusalem. And Ezra was really keen that not only was it about rebuilding the temple, which had been done, 
But he wanted to rebuild the spiritual community. He wanted to get them back to worshipping God the way they'd always intended that they should. So he began to teach them the Torah. He began to teach them the Old Testament to show them what God was like again. To remind them how to worship. And then there's another weird anticlimax. Because what they found out is that some people from Jerusalem... Jenny, come, come with me for a second. Some people from Jerusalem... Uh, Paul, can we borrow you for a minute? Some people from Jerusalem had been marrying people from outside of Jerusalem. And this, this, was, seen, this was seen as a bit of a no-no, as something you just don't do. It was something that, that God had kind of said before, I don't really want that to happen. And Ezra took it on himself, he wasn't asked by God to do this, to send those people away. And to tell them, actually, no, you've got a divorce, you've got to get out, you're not welcome here, you're not part... And this is weird anticlimax again. You think, surely everything's being sorted, but no, it's not. And then we come to our book of the next few weeks, the book of Nehemiah, which continues on in the story. This is Nehemiah. Good, he's got it. He's nailed it. Brilliant. So Nehemiah is, and this is his part of the story, which we're going to come to after the songs in a minute. But Nehemiah tells his side of the story where he had a particular desire to specifically rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, which were stunning but got absolutely destroyed and decimated and broken in the crashing down of everything else in Jerusalem. The walls were in disrepair and he had a desire to rebuild them. We're going to rejoin that story in a minute. So Nehemiah, you can take a seat, but now we're going to stand together and sing. Amen. And it's that heart of having a desire to do something for God, to go to those who are in need around us, that brings us to the next part of our story of Nehemiah. So you can take a seat for a moment. Nehemiah, coincidentally, uh, shortest person in the Bible. Know why? Nehemiah. Can have that one for free. Um, so uh, Nehemiah uh, is, can we have Nehemiah back, sorry. Nehemiah is, doesn't live in Jerusalem, he lives outside of Jerusalem. He's the cupbearer to the king, the same king who sent um, the previous uh, Ezra to go and rebuild Jerusalem. And, uh, and Nehemiah comes to this stage where he hears about the, the destruction of the wall in Jerusalem. He gets reports of how bad it is. Uh, he hears that the temple's being rebuilt, but the walls haven't. And he begins to get a little bit upset about it. Yeah. A bit more upset than that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's, uh, like, imagine Brighton just lost. Yeah, there we go. Right, so he gets really upset about, uh, about these walls. And so he asks the king for permission to travel all the way to Jerusalem to rebuild the city walls. Now, this is a ludicrous plan. This is ridiculous because these weren't just like a little garden wall. This is a massive, well-built, well-constructed wall that had been completely and utterly destroyed. But the king gives uh, Nehemiah permission. We're going to learn over the few weeks how amazing it is that he got that permission and how miraculous it was, but also how clever Nehemiah was. We're going to discover that. And so Nehemiah travelled to Jerusalem, to the wall, and he appointed some people to begin to help him build the wall. So do you want to find some young people to help you? Just two for now, please. Just two. Go on then. So uh, Nehemiah was very clever. He gave people specific tasks, uh, and they began to rebuild the wall. Okay. Okay, now the only trouble was, uh, like with the other stories, that this wasn't a naturally popular decision. Some people thought, here's Nehemiah, he's come as this outsider telling us what to do, and the opposers didn't really like the wall, so they made life really difficult for the people trying to build it. I mean, they, they just they complained, yes, but it was far more than that. They sent people to attack the builders. I'm not going to do that, don't worry. Uh, and they sent people to hurt the builders. So Nehemiah saw this was going on, so what he did was he found more people 
to specifically act as guards for the attackers, for those attacking. So they didn't necessarily do any building, but they basically stopped the people who were trying to destroy the wall from coming to destroy the wall by intimidating them and frightening them away. That's quite good. Um, And so the the wall continued to get built, but the opposition continued to come, and they might need need more people to help with the wall. You're going to need some probably slightly older people to come and help. And the people worked day and night. Some people travelled for miles around. Some of them travelled so far, actually, it made much more sense to just camp out and live in Jerusalem uh, to rebuild this wall. They were exhausted. They were tired. They wanted to give up. But Nehemiah kept encouraging them and building them up and, and praying with them and seeking God together until eventually they rebuilt the wall. Look at that. Much better than the first one. Thank you very much. You guys can take a seat. So it's an incredible story, but why on earth in uh, September, October, November of this year are we having a sermon series in the book of Nehemiah, which is essentially a story about a massive building project? Is it because we have three building projects <laughs> happening here in, in Staple and Stafford? Actually, no, it's not. That wasn't why I chose the book of Nehemiah. That does just happen to be a very helpful coincidence because there are things that we are going to learn from from it about building projects, absolutely. And it it is a really good book for that. But the reason that I've chosen this is, is actually because of Nehemiah himself. That when you look at the character and the person of Nehemiah, I don't know how many of you have ever sat down and read the book of Nehemiah, but he is an incredible example to us. As we look at Nehemiah, which is an Old Testament book, through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of what Jesus has done for us, we can see in Nehemiah, we can see in the person of Nehemiah, what it means today to be a disciple of Jesus against all circumstances, against whatever life throws at us, whatever comes our way as individuals, as a church, as a benefit, whatever joys, whatever challenges, whatever hopes, whatever dreams we have, there is something about Nehemiah that we can learn about how he remained faithful to God through the midst of the most terrible times and the most difficult things. But the thing with Nehemiah is it also ended with this weird anticlimax, like the other two books, because the, the, the people of Jerusalem... And there's this really beautiful scene just towards the end of of Nehemiah and you think it would be a beautiful place to end the book because Ezra and Nehemiah worked together to spend seven days teaching the Torah to the people again, reminding them of God's faithfulness, of God's goodness. And then the final chapter is basically about how they just continue to mess up, how they just continue to be broken people and continue to make mistakes and continue to destroy the name of God and continue to go about their own ways. And what it shows us, what the book of Nehemiah goes to show us is actually that where, where the people are and whether they're in Jerusalem or not makes no difference. What it's about is about the heart and the heart had not changed in the people. And so the kingdom of God could never come the way they were hoping to because something needed to shift. Something needed to change once and for all that would change the lives of these people so that they could be ready to welcome the kingdom of God. And that something is Jesus Christ. And so this is actually a very gospel-centered Old Testament book. <laughs> As indeed, in fact, all the Old Testament just enlightens how we understand the Old Testament. But there's something about the person of Nehemiah, and particularly something about the way that he prayed, that I think can teach us as a benefit. Because he prayed very specifically. 
And a couple of us who have been praying recently have been feeling that sense we're entering a season where we need to begin to pray specifically to God for what we want as a church and what we want as a benefice. And we can learn so much from how Nehemiah did that. He was very strategic in his prayer. He thought very carefully when he prayed and how he prayed. And his passion in his prayer is incredible. At every single moment, he stopped and he prayed. In a big hurdle, he would stop and he would pray. For the smallest things, he would stop and he would pray. And so he was a man of prayer. He was a man of vision, of obedience, of wisdom, of strategy, of kindness, of patience, strength, faith, and trust. All of which I hope are qualities we want more of in our own lives. And so we can gain something from the person and the book of Nehemiah. Don't get me wrong, he wasn't perfect. We're not painting this picture of this perfect person. He was flawed and broken like the rest of us. The most encouraging thing is that God uses flawed, broken, messed up people for his kingdom. It's because flawed, broken, messed up people is all he's got to choose from uh, that's all he's got and he uses us for that and, and, and Nehemiah is a perfect example of somebody stepping out in faith to do something he had a real passion to see done and if you read the book of Nehemiah when you read against, about what happened against Nehemiah it is nothing short of miraculous that this wall got finished I mean it's an absolute miracle that couldn't have happened without God it just couldn't So the book of Nehemiah isn't a book about a wall. It's not a book about a building project. It's not even just about a book about Nehemiah. It's a book about the incredible God that he worshipped. The God that he prayed to who saw things done that he wanted done. And it's about Nehemiah showing us that actually wherever we are makes no difference geographically. What it's about is our hearts being connected with the God who made us. That's what worship in spirit and truth is. And what we see through the lens of Jesus as we look at Nehemiah is that he has done everything for us on the cross to, to, to break down any barriers. And actually, Nehemiah is a, is a book about rebuilding walls. The gospel is about God tearing walls down. Uh, and I really want us to hold those two things in contrast about how we build our lives on Christ and how we allow God to tear down the walls that separate us from him in our worship, in our prayer, in our walk with him. And I, I really hope that over the next few weeks those two tensions will be held really well together uh, as various different people speak on this over the next few weeks. I want to urge you, it's a beautiful, sunshiny day today. And as you're sat in the garden with your glass of water, which may... <laughs> may contain other things, I don't know. Um, but as you sit in the garden this afternoon, I, I want to encourage you to at least begin to read the book of Ezra and Nehemiah together. Because you may not have done that before unless you've gone through the Bible chronologically. They're literally before and after each other. And see how the story threads through. See how each story begins with that calling from the king, the lead, sending of a leader, the opposition of the people, and then sheer disappointment. And it happens again and again. But what it does is it points us at the end of Nehemiah. It gives us this teaser to say, God's not finished yet. And in Jesus we see it is finished. And so just see how that, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at that. And I hope, I really pray that this sermon series will be a blessing uh, to all of us as we look at the character, the person, the life, uh, and the circumstances of Nehemiah and his faithfulness to God. We're going to sing in response. We're going to sing Cornerstone, which I think is a brilliant thing, not just because it is about uh, a cornerstone, which is a very practical building thing, but actually about how it's not about building a wall, but about building our lives on the person of Jesus Christ. So let's stand together and sing this in response. Brilliant. For our uh, prayer 
chairs of intercession this morning. We're going to do something slightly different. Need your guys' help. Can you make sure that everybody in the church gets one of these hassocks, please? One of these bricks. There's more over there if you need them. Uh, if anyone else wants to come and help give them out, that would be helpful just to uh, get us through as quickly as we can. Um, you're each receiving uh, a brick uh, from uh, the building of the wall in Nehemiah. Uh, and I want to make it very clear that the, the sermon series that we're having on Nehemiah and the thing about theology of place is very important and uh, recognizing that uh, there was a real desire for the people of Jerusalem to be back in Jerusalem and that's a, a really good thing. Uh, but what we want to look at it through as we go through these next few weeks, we're looking at the lens of how God wants to build his church um, using things like the, the story of Nehemiah. And what, what I particularly love about Nehemiah was he was very good at resourcing and releasing people into their ministry, into the things that, uh, he called, that, that God was calling them to do. And so as you're holding your brick, I want you to think about the phrase that uh, the promise really of, of Scripture where you hear the words of Jesus saying, I will build my church. And, and often we can think that it's entirely our job to build his church. <laughs> But he said, I will build my church. And we have a responsibility in that. We have a part to play in that. Each of us has a unique, specific part. No two of these hassocks are the same. No two of these bricks are the same. Every single one of them is unique, is different, uh, is its own thing. You guys need one too. So if you want to get more from there for yourselves. See, hassocks were designed for prayer. (laughs) Um, But uh, we're using them slightly more creatively this morning than they were intended. I just want you just for a moment just to hold on uh, to your brick. And there's a number of reflections we just want to lead you through as you hold on to that brick. As you, uh, that brick can, can symbolize a number of different things, can represent a number of different things. And the first thing I want you to, to focus on is what part you think God might be calling you to play in his church. It may be something you already do. It may be something that he's calling you to do. And we just want to pray, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us in these moments what our part is in the life and worship of your church, here or wherever we live. If you're visiting us this morning and this isn't your usual church, then... We're using church with a capital C here, so not just the local church, but wherever you are. And God, I just want to pray that you would surround these people with other people who can raise them up, with Nehemiahs who can recognize and encourage their gifts and support them as they serve. One of the characteristics of the story of Nehemiah is that those who were building, those who were working, a huge number of them worked really hard and were really, really tired. So if as you're holding your brick, you feel that that reflects you this morning, that you've just been serving and serving and serving and you feel tired and exhausted and you're in need of rest. Then we want to pray, Holy Spirit, would you let strength arise as we wait upon you? pray that you would impart to your people the wisdom to know when to say no to things 
so that they can say yes to the right things. I pray that you would enable them to find rest and refreshment in your presence. Others of you, as you hold your brick, may be thinking of areas of your life where you know that there's a barrier between you and God, a wall that needs tearing down. And that can feel like a scary and a daunting thing, but to know that what's on the other side of that wall is far greater than anything the wall itself can offer. So we pray, Holy Spirit, would you help us to know what those things are that we need to remove from our lives with your help so that we can approach you afresh. Would you help us to get whatever help we need in order to be able to do that? That we'd lay down pride and accept help when offered. And as we hold these bricks, God, you promised in your word that you will build your church. And so we pray for those we know and love who don't know you. Lord, we pray that you would lead them to you that you would reveal to them your love for them that you would build your church with prodigals coming home and those coming to know you for the first time just as you hold this brick I just want you to just imagine um, the story of Nehemiah and, and look at the character of Nehemiah from what you know of him either from what you've heard this morning or from uh, reading it in the past or other sermons you may have heard on it or books you've read on Nehemiah if you have absolutely no knowledge of who Nehemiah is just remember that what I said earlier was that he was a man of prayer of honesty of vision of gentleness of patience of wisdom kindness and, and just to say God I'm open to whatever you want to teach me over these coming weeks about Nehemiah and what I want to encourage all of us to do if we feel able to is that as we sing um, our final song in a minute, I want you to bring your brick and rebuild the wall, if that's okay. Uh, Just at any point during the song, just bringing what you have, what you offer uh, to to rebuild the wall, but as a symbol of God building his church rather than the wall of Jerusalem, as it were. But just, uh, I'm aware not everybody works symbolically and and it's not everyone's learning style, but I like it. So uh, indulge me for a minute and just uh, just rebuild the wall um, as God's people together. But for now, let's stand and sing uh, Everlasting God. Amen. That's cool, isn't it? I will build my church. And I just pray that over the next few weeks as we delve into the book of Nehemiah and everything that God wants to reveal to us through it, uh, that we will feel built up and strengthened through his word, through his promises, through uh, this incredible story uh, in the Old Testament, and that we would see it through the lens of everything that Jesus has done for us. Um, Please do stay for tea and coffee after the service. Do we have milk? 
We do have milk. That's <laughs> the Lord provides, which is good. I was worried everyone was going to be having black tea and coffee, but we have milk. Uh, so please do stay for tea and coffee after the service if you're able to do so. Um, I'd, I would ask for your prayers over the next uh, two or three days. It's the Diocese of Chichester Clergy Conference at Kent University uh, from today until Wednesday. Please do pray for all the clergy who will be at that and all the churches who are without clergy for three days. Uh, please do uh, pray for that. It would be great. But as we go from this place, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in the knowledge and in the love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with us, with those we love, with those we should love today and always. Amen. I don't uh, usually recommend YouTube videos, but uh, there is a really, really amazing one by a guy called Tim Mackey, um, where he does a, a summary of Ezra to Nehemiah. There, there is a version that's an hour and five minutes. Don't worry about that one. There's also one that's six minutes, um, which you might really appreciate. Um, we'll try and get the link in the notices for next week, but if you can find it yourself, uh, Tim Mackey, um, he's a theologian who does uh, basically commentaries, but by video. So if you're not much of a reader, they're a real, uh, real blessing. Uh, so do look it up uh, and we'll get the link in the notices for next week but have a blessed week uh, rebuild the walls uh, and go with the gods of love